0: Seafood consumption is on the rise in the U.S., but changing conditions in the oceans are impacting where we source our fish. But would you have ever guessed a major salmon production source is on land? Atlantic Sapphire Marketing Director Max Francia tells us how this can be done on this episode of the Food Institute podcast coming at you right now. All right, so... Welcome to the show, everybody. Please remember to like and subscribe to the Food Institute podcast. We're very grateful for the growth we've enjoyed over the past few years, but we're really looking to bring the show to the next level. So please remember to share this episode with your friends, family, and coworkers so we can keep it growing. And of course, any likes and comments, shares on social media, we appreciate it all. So with that out of the way, I do want to welcome Max to the show. Max, I was hoping you could share a bit about yourself and your career history and how you came to Atlantic Sapphire in the first place.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I am basically the marketing director for Atlantic Sapphire. Um, this is a company, a Norwegian company, uh, that is raising salmon in Florida, and we're going to get into that into, you know, in, in the details in a little bit. Uh, but to share a little bit more about me, I I have experience in consumer packaged goods. That's my background. I worked uh, globally with Procter and Gamble and Spectrum Brands in a in a number of different uh, regions and, and geographies. Uh, globally. And I, I just love applying you know, my passion for consumer brands, for research, for, for marketing, communications, and, and my knowledge of consumer insights and brand management to uh, different areas. And in this case, specifically to the food sector, where I'm leading uh, Blue House Salmon's brand development. Um, I've always had the desire really to integrate uh, technology and marketing with the objective of improving product and processes, um, I was an engineer by training. I was very analytical, and I take this approach to most challenges I face. Um, uh, the idea really is to have a better product. Um, that that's what I'm all about, really. When it when it comes to the focus for of my my efforts, really, with the brand, I, I want to improve people's lives and, and protect the environment at the same time, and that's why. You know, working with Atlantic Sapphire has been so meaningful for me. I've had the opportunity to learn the best practices in, in marketing and apply them now on, on a sector that really needs a lot of help when, when it comes to communication, to messaging and, and making sure that people understand why it's so critical when it comes to protein production and, and nutritional goals overall in, in the future. Um, I I believe, at the same time, that it's um, incredibly important to protect ocean, the ocean, uh, nature, the planet. Uh, We work really hard at Atlantic Sapphire to overcome different myths that could impact aquaculture. And the way we do that is by creating, engaging, fun ways to share our knowledge, uh, to share our mission, really, and encourage consumers to try a new product that is better for them and and the environment.
0: So thanks for sharing that, Max. Uh, I got to be honest, when I first heard about Atlantic Sapphire, I was like, you know, it seemed almost contradictory. How can you farm salmon on land, right? So I think this might be a good time to talk a little bit about Atlantic Sapphire's history and missions. Can you share a little bit more about that?
1: Absolutely. It'll be my pleasure. And it's a really exciting um, story, really, when it comes to the company and and how we started. We, We created a proof of concept, really, in Denmark in a small coastal town called Videsande in in uh, western denmark and uh, this started about 12 13 years ago uh, more or less and, and it was kind of a, a dream of our one of our co-founders and our current ceo Johan andersen and he he has been in the industry for a very long time right he when he was a teenager he started working with cleaner fish uh, which is something that they utilize to maintain the health of, of the salmon in the net pens in, in the ocean. And from there, it just, you know, it, it launched onto a, a number of different ventures, uh, including working with Whole Foods in the UK and, and, and developing new technologies. So uh, Atlantic Sapphire is kind of the culmination of, of all of that. Um, because of his experience, he, he said, well, you know what, we need to be close to the market. Uh, right now, the US imports 90% approximately of all seafood consumption and salmon could be even higher. Sometimes it could be, you know, 94, 95% of what we consume in the country. So, and, and all of these uh, salmon is flying in really via cargo from Chile or Norway, from the majority and and that first creates a trade and balance but probably even more important for for our communities and and the environment it also has a huge carbon footprint that affects uh the the, the environment and and all of the goals that we have right towards the reduction of, of that footprint so he said i'm going to be uh, i'm going to develop a company and we're going to be in in the biggest world market that exists as a country in itself and which is the U.S. Um, and we're going to be local there. And that's when he started looking at different different areas um, around, the, around the country. Right. But um, at the end, it, it all comes down to really revolutionizing the, the production of, of salmon um, in, in a way that it's more sustainable, and, and it's a very healthy, more natural protein.
0: And thanks for sharing that. I do you know, appreciate the uh, carbon commitment there and trying to reduce some of that. I also think there's an opportunity on the freshness side as well, right? Because there is some travel time there. And I think that all kind of leads us into the question of why Florida? So can we talk a little bit about the production facility you have there? Some of the reasons why you chose Florida specifically. And we can kind of talk a little bit about that.
1: Yes, that that's one of the questions that I always get um, as well. You know, whenever we're presenting to potential customers, we're presenting to agencies or, or different NGOs as part of our educational efforts. And, and it, again, it, it's a very interesting uh, background for for the company. So uh, the the co-founder again, Johan, he started traveling uh, all around the eastern seaboard uh, from Maine you know, to the, um, to Virginia, the Carolinas. And, and he was trying to find a suitable location when it comes to the discharge of water. That is one of the biggest challenges that operations like this would have, right? Because sometimes the water availability is uh, somehow easier to secure uh, if you're thinking about maybe a river in Maine, for example, or, or in the Carolinas, and if you're going to do something in the ocean, uh, but the discharge is problematic because do you, do you need to really treat the water uh, carefully, it becomes incredibly expensive. You don't want to create algae blooms. Uh, you don't want to affect, for example, the um, in the bottom uh, of the sea in those coastal areas and, and impact the ecosystem and the wild species that... That live there, so um, he spent at least uh, two years uh, with a couple of other people that have experience in Norway as well, traveling, uh, and and they couldn't find anything. And as they kept going south and south, of course, you know more doubts start, you know, creeping into his mind and thinking, well, I mean, now obviously the the water is not ideal, so I cannot do that. Um, uh, where I'm gonna find now my water sources? Um, and then he met with the geologists. That by chance he he was doing research on the in, the, um, the infrastructure for the county in in Florida, and he knew about the different layers that exist in, in below the the surface here in the state, right? And and that's when they realized that this could be a, a perfect location. And uh, to to tell you a little bit more in detail about that, so. The way the the different layers work in uh, below the surface in Florida is, is the following: We have first the the freshwater source, which is the Biscayne Aquifer, right? That's freshwater supply, and our operation consumes about five percent um, uh, of all the water comes from from this, right? So, in, in other words, most of our water consumption is salt water, that's not coming from the Biscayne. Aquifer is coming actually from another aquifer called the Floridian Aquifer that is salt water. And it's a biosecure, saline water supply. And that's about 2,000 feet below the the, the ground. Um, So imagine uh, we needed to uh, first look at that, do all the research, uh, and, 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 and really start developing the wells that would use those two water sources in conjunction to get the, the water supply that is required for an on-land operation. Uh, then the next layer it's called a confining zone. So that secures that Floridian aquifer that I was talking about. And there's no exchange uh, between the fresh water or the salt water or a third layer, which is called the boulder zone. This boulder zone is about 3,000 feet uh, below the surface. And it's the same area where the Miami-Dade County disposes of treated water. And and so when we looked at this, uh, we basically found the perfect configuration because it's all in the ground, right? So we're getting the salt water, which is 95% of our consumption from the Floridian aquifer. We're getting the fresh water, 5% from our Biscayne aquifer. All of it is res- recycled and recirculated at a rate of 99%. So every 30 days or so, we we re-inject treated wastewater back into that boulder zone uh, and it's it's about one percent and it's non-toxic at all. Uh, there's an injection well that we have that is certified by the county and the, the county itself, they, they have uh, another uh, 216 wells as well. So this is just one of 217 basically. And once the water is in the boulder zone, it basically stays there for thousands of years and will eventually return to the ocean uh, as clean water. So that's that's really why we're in South Florida. It's um, it, you, you could find it intriguing, uh, but the reality is that the, the configuration of all these different layers and how we're able to extract the water, recycle it, treat it, and then inject it back without affecting coastal areas, uh, without affecting... Uh, wild species or anything like that. It's, it's just um, an incredible opportunity uh, in terms of location.
0: Yeah. And that's a first for me. I've never heard that you're able to kind of pull, you know, seawater or maybe saltwater is a better way to put it directly from the ground. So totally interesting kind of process there. Can we talk a little bit more about the facility itself as well? You know, what does it look like when you're in one of these, or sorry, in this facility, where do you hold the salmon, et cetera? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a a building um, that uh, covers about nine acres, so it it is massive. It's placed in an agricultural area, and basically everything is happening under one roof. Um, If you were to look like an architectural drawing of the facility, um, you would be able to see the hatchery, uh, which is the smallest area in all of our Blue House. That's how we we call our production facility, our, our Blue House. And, and I mean, it makes sense, right? That that's where the eggs are and, and we could fit half a million eggs in, in, in a room that it's maybe 15 by 15, 20 by 20 feet, more, more or less. Half a million eggs are in there in very, very specific conditions when it comes to temperature, for example, just to make sure that they're healthy and they're developing properly. Uh, the next stages then, that's when you start seeing the tanks uh, and the tanks Um, are um, we're talking about circular tanks Um, in the first five stages they they are fresh water that's when the salmon is developing and we're talking about uh, fish that could be anywhere from 25 grams to about 150 grams more or less so they're really really small Uh, they they keep developing as they would in nature swimming against the current with very ideal conditions. We regulate again temperature and a number of other parameters like uh, salinity, uh, pH. Um, uh, of course, that, like I said, the, the temperature, the light. Uh, so again, it's ideal and they're not exposed to the variation, to the different conditions that you would see, for example, in, in, in Norway, in a, in a fjord where the temperature fluctuates uh, in the ocean or over you have longer uh, nights with the winter and then that that's when um the fish also slow down in in our case the the fish just develop steadily as they have I- ideal conditions um, and then as they progress, they go from those initial stages to the uh, to the later uh, phase really in 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 their life in their development and that's when they move to the salt water and now the tanks are much much larger because now they've grown from 150 grams um, to about a kilo, more or less. So two pounds to two and a half pounds, more or less. And that's when they're swimming in massive tanks that have the, the same amount of water as an Olympic size pool, just to give a, a point of reference. So imagine, and, and these tanks have 95% water, 5% fish in it. So the concentration is low. Um, and, and And we do that in order to maintain again ideal conditions for them uh we 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 like to say that you know when the fish are, are happy um well everybody's happy really in 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 our blue house because they're eating well, they're progressing they're developing gaining weight uh they're healthy and and that at the end it's a it's a production operation right so they they're gonna become um healthy um large. Salmon that could be harvested and, and, and consumers will you know, enjoy as part of their nutritional plans you know, a, anywhere in, in the country. Um, there are some benefits of our Blue House uh, facility, of course, um, because, and it's related all to our water source. And I, I think that's, that's uh, something that makes it very, very different you know, from any other type of operation that, that you would find in, in the ocean or, or even other technologies.
0: And like I said, it really is a fascinating process to hear about, you know, and it's very kind of unique. I think people are already somewhat familiar with these, you know, off-coast pens for raising salmon, but just having the ability to do so on, you know, land is really, really innovative in my opinion here. Uh, Taking a look at that, when you see, you know, your total production in the course of a year, how much are you able to produce? And do you think that's going to increase over the next couple of years?
1: Uh, yeah, we are currently on track to produce about 10,000 metric tons. Uh, that's 22 million pounds of salmon uh, every year. Uh, we should be reaching that target by the end of this year. And and we're going to keep expanding. So we're going to uh, start our phase two construction with all the different technology and, and all the different uh, really uh, equipment that, that we need uh, by the end of next year, by the end of 2024. And that would take about uh, roughly 18 more months to be completed. Uh, so we're talking about 2026, more or less, when we uh, expand from 22 million pounds to about 55 million pounds. Um, and then uh, from 2026 to about 2033, 2032, more or less, so about 10 years from now, we we think we we could be uh, producing about 220 million um, metric um I'm sorry 220,000 uh, metric tons right which is roughly speaking about 15 to 20% of the US market um the US market right now is about uh 500 million uh, metric tons and it's going to keep expanding um, there's a compounded growth rate of 3 to 6% every year uh so we we expect it to be between 650,000 metric ton to 700,000 metric tons so we we should be between you know 20%, 25% of that market in 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 10 years or so And that of course requires a lot of investment uh requires a lot of expansion when it comes to the to the footprint uh, for us uh, so I I believe that there's a long runway for for the company uh but we so far we've been very successful and and we've had great great uh re- reception from retail and food service alike
0: Yeah, that's actually what I wanted to ask. Who are your major customers? It's good to know that you're in both channels, right? The retail side, you know, food at home and also the food away from home side on food service. Uh, Who are your major customers? Who do you work with currently?
1: Yeah, we we work with customers um, all over the country. Our largest channel is retail supermarkets by far. And and, and we have presence in Publix, uh, for example, here in the Southeast, which is a major chain with more than 1,300 stores. And they're a great partner. Of course, they, they promote Fresh From Florida. So it, it's another uh, point of differentiation of our product uh, for consumers. When when, when they're uh, walking the aisles and, and they see salmon that is Fresh From Florida and they see our point-of-sale materials, then they, they get really curious about it and they ask the fishmongers. And, and and that's a great opportunity for us to share more about our mission uh, another great partner that we have is sprouts uh, sprouts um, uh, supermarkets they they are in Florida as well and other other regions they actually have a very strong presence in the west coast uh, which is gonna be probably our next step with them towards the end of the year uh, but in the meantime we're the, on the in the southern side of the country with sprouts and and also a little bit like in the, in the middle of the country, uh, maybe close to Colorado and, and uh, Texas um, as well. Uh, we also work with Safeway in California, uh, which is another major chain, and and which is part of their group as well. Uh, more specialized in, in sustainable products, so it's a great affinity uh, of you know between our our product and our messaging with their consumer base. And we also have um, a, a couple of, of um, chains in Canada as well. So basically uh, shipping all the way to Montreal, for example, sometimes to Toronto, depending on, on the customer. Um, and, and then, like I said, food service, right? We have different distributors across the country. So we're present in restaurants in, in, in different areas. And that's a channel that is really expanding. Uh, at the moment, uh, because of the pandemic, of course, it suffered greatly. But um, it, it it it's it's growing, it's coming back, and we're gaining more and more uh, presence in that area. the The reality is that not only consumers that would be shopping in retail supermarkets, but also consumers, um, guests, really for for food service. You know, you think about restaurants, and um, they are more aware of the different food choices that they have. And, and although the restaurants, in, in a way, they serve as gatekeepers when it comes to the product, the salmon that they're serving, you get more and more interest from those buying groups and from the chefs themselves that they want to be able to give their guests the option to have something more sustainable, something that is optimal for, for the environment, something that is local. So we, we have a lot of great benefits when, when it comes to, to how we are positioning our product and what benefits we, we give for both uh, retail, uh, supermarket buyers and, and, and guests in, you know, in, in food service. And, and finally, another channel that we are going to be expanding in the near future is online. Um, it's still in the works. Probably we're not going to start direct to consumer yet. We're going to wait until we have a larger scale, but we, we're starting with different platforms that specialize in traceable seafood, sustainable trace and traceable seafood uh, using blockchain technology, for example, because again, that's another of our benefits. It's, uh, it's completely traceable. Our production process is transparent. It's right here. In the U.S., so we're not exposed to um, geopolitical issues. We're not exposed to a- any kind of, of problems that that could uh, arise from from international trade, for example. You know, so it is um, another benefit as well. So
0: thanks for showing us how it all works, Max. I think, you know, maybe we could ask a little bit of why. And I have a feeling that perhaps consumer demand for sustainable products helped lead to this a bit. So I'm wondering, how does Atlantic Sapphire see meeting the need with the Blue House Salmon for meeting those sustainability uh, demands really coming from consumers these days?
1: Well, I, I believe we have an amazing opportunity to really step change the consumption of salmon um, in the country and, and North America, including Canada as well, and improve the, the way uh, people are consuming uh, seafood and, and salmon specifically. I think we, people in general are more aware of the importance of choosing the right protein in their diets. They, they're looking for high quality protein. They're looking for sustainable products that they feel good about. Uh, So it's a combination of increased demand because uh, salmon is a healthier protein uh, and it's becoming more and more relevant in nutritional plans for, um, it used to be for athletes, for example, and people who had a specific needs. Now everybody knows that seafood is healthier and and you want to gravitate more towards seafood, especially salmon, because of the healthy fats and omega-3 Um, oils, which have so many benefits all over, you know, the the body could be, you know, obviously health uh, related to your heart, but it's also skin uh, health, it's also um, gut microbiome as well. So uh, even mental health, there's so many benefits that are being um, supported by science. So th- that's more and more in the news. That's part of also uh, our educational efforts. So we we share a lot of that information and, and we're seeing the, the s- a sustained increase really in consumption for, for salmon year after year. And we're well positioned to do that, to support that growth. And then of course, um, blue house salmon is environmentally friendly, right? Um, as I mentioned, we're we're really protecting the coastal area as well as species. And people feel that they're making the right choice. When they're looking for products, you see them in the, in the, in the uh, supermarket aisles, right? They're looking for organic or, or gluten-free, uh, but they're also looking for a friend of the sea or um, fair trade. So that there are, people are more and more concerned about really uh, almost voting with their wallet, Right. And they're saying, OK, I'm going to put a little bit more uh, for this premium product um, out of my budget. But I know that I'm making the right choice and it feels good for um, making my part right for the health of, of the planet. So we're helping them uh, to to make that buying decision. It's easier for them as they, as we support their nutritional and health goals, but also the, the sustainability and environmental concerns that they have. And and uh, like I said, something are going to keep increasing. Right. And that's why we have uh, such aggressive plans to continue uh, our expansion and, and continue construction. We're, we're going to be you know, building new uh, facilities around our current Blue House for the next 10 years. And, and we're going to see more and more uh, younger generations eating seafood and especially salmon because people are introducing now their children, families are introducing children now to salmon especially. And this is, this is a habit. That will follow them through life, right? And it, and the idea there is obviously it's going to improve their diet and quality of life, and longevity. And and this is um, like a large scale mindset change that is that is happening. And we're positioning ourselves to be able to to support um, that. And so yeah, like I said, I believe it. It's, it's a great moment to be in in seafood, um, especially if it's local in the U.S. and with the characteristics of of our product.
0: Yeah, two things I'd like to respond to there. I have seen, you know, anecdotally, a lot of people say they want to increase their seafood consumption. And it's usually two things, right? It's shrimp and salmon. So I do think you have an opportunity there. Uh, But it is interesting to see how most consumers are kind of defying inflation to remain on target Uh, with some of these sustainability goals. It's a little bit more resilient than I would have expected. So I think they would be useful for you guys, but I am interested in the competition aspect with Ocean Pen Farming. So I think a lot of people, when they see your product, they will probably compete or you know, believe that you're competing against these other types of operations. I guess, you know, from your point, you know, how do you see your product competing against those types of products? and how do you kind of place yourself in the overall seafood landscape when you take in, you know, even ocean fishing uh, as part of it, you know, how do you see the overall production process comparing to those two?
1: Um yeah, I, I to be honest, I, I think we're part of the solution. So um what I mean by that is the the demand will only increase, right? We 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 talked about that um already a little bit and 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 like you said, uh, salmon and shrimp are are the two species that are uh, growing just incredibly well every every single year, um, and and we need to be uh, part of the solution when, when it comes to competing with with other uh, technologies and and unconventional farming. They they've been around for about fifty years now. It, it's um, it's a technology that started in Norway. They have perfected it as much as they can, you know, within their own limitations. Um, over there, and then they they they're also doing a, a good job in Chile, uh, but the reality is that they're facing different challenges, right? Um, some of the challenges are, for example, impact on wild species, right? So um, at the end, they're they're in the in the wild, they're in the fjords, and there could be escapes, and if there's escapes, then they could be interbreeding. Um, uh, between the the species that they 're using for for net farming and and the wild species, so that 's not uh, something that you would like um, at the same time uh, these uh, locations tend to be stagnant for several months um in, in in one specific column of water, so to speak, so there 's untreated fish waste that could uh, affect uh, the seabed as well and there's of course the air freight. Right. So the carbon footprint from that, uh, which is massive, it's uh, estimated to be sometimes uh, between 40 and 60 percent of, of the total carbon footprint for the conventional ways of farming salmon. So it, it is not something you could dismiss. Um, there is microplastics in in the ocean, uh, mercury in the food chain, unfortunately. Uh, so those are issues, health issues that are uh, more and more uh, relevant in consumers' minds, and, and scientists are looking at it. But it's is not a surprise that you know when you think about all the plastic waste in in, in the ocean at the moment. Um, and then and then you have uh, just regular typical diseases and parasites that could exist in the wild. They get uh, sea lice, for example, and that is something that just exists. And sometimes they need to use antibiotics they the, to either vaccinate the fish or um, cure them uh, if they've been infected with parasites for example so uh, those all of those are potential problems they don't happen all the time and, and the industry deals with them uh, but those are problems that uh, that you avoid really right that you're solving for when, when you're when you're uh, raising salmon on land, especially in a, in a facility like a blue house where the water source is is pure because in, and we didn't get into that before, but the, the, the main, main benefit really of our water source, the, the aquifer water source is that you're not exposed to any of this. Not only we're not exposed to diseases, so we, we never use antibiotics ever. There's no need for that or pesticides Uh, any type of medicines really, it's a a almost natural production method, right? Without any of those. But then at the same time, um, because of the feed that we use that is specialized for land-based, and and, and we're developing more and more um, novel ingredients, we don't see mercury, for example, in in our fish. Or there's no microplastics because we're not getting uh, food from uh from uh, marine ingredients for the most part we're doing a mix and 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 trying to utilize novel ingredients um, like algae oil for example that bypasses uh, all all of the food chain and so that's very very sustainable you're not having to catch fish to feed your salmon right so you're, you're leaving the wild populations alone um at the same time we're bypassing any potential source of mercury in the feed and there's no microplastics again because the 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 algae production it's done away from from the ocean and and it's supporting our our uh, omega 3s um requirements without having all the potential issues you know feed that 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 is using in conventional farming so i believe that because of all of those reasons You know, it it is it is a better solution, but it's part of the solution because, you know, with so much growth, the reality is that uh, there's going to be room for uh, different players. The net pens are going to continue to be there. And I'm really hoping that they continue to improve the technology and the way they 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 uh, avoid these issues or solve for them. Uh, But then there's going to be us and Landscape. Um, and the landscape is really positive and, and bright when when it comes to land-raised salmon. There's so many projects that are being uh, um, analyzed at the moment globally. And Atlantic Sapphire is kind of a, 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 at the forefront of that, right? We're innovating we're really making the U.S. Uh, almost like a powerhouse when it comes to to land raised uh, seafood because uh, that we're raising salmon. There are other companies smaller, but they're also raising other species on on land. And and uh, as a market, we're probably the biggest um, uh, producer really uh, of land raised species in, in the world at the moment. So we we're going to continue to do that, and we're going to continue to expand. Um, the other technology is offshore so that's a little bit different it's still in the ocean but it's not in the coastal areas like the conventional net uh, sea pen farming um, that's another technology that's been developed still um, i would think in the infancy of the development stages but it, it, it's another one that probably in the next next uh five ten years will develop so that will be another solution right so when, when you think about all oh, the growth that we're going to see in the market, we're going to need all of these um, solutions. Really, all of these technologies playing together.
0: So, Max, we're coming to the end of this conversation. I know we already talked about the potential for a DTC line. We already talked about you know the expansion of your facility down in Florida over the next couple of years. Is there anything else that Atlantic Sapphire has planned over the course of the next few years here?
1: Yes, in fact, um, we we live you know by our mission and and everything we we do. Uh, it's kind of part of our DNA when it comes to protect the ocean and, and, and really make a production system that is better for, for our planet. So we, we continue to work um, on our ESG targets. Uh, it's something that that is uh, a main, main area of uh, focus for, for the company. So we're uh, removing marine ingredients from our feed uh, on a yearly basis with the idea of having uh potentially almost being out of the ocean when it comes to to the feed ingredients by any time between 2025 and 2030, really. we Like I mentioned, we started replacing um, marine ingredients with our Nobel algae oil, for example, that replaces fish oil in the feed. Uh, That's already uh, completed. Uh, We're also collapsing the carbon footprint uh, by uh, reducing... Um, or eliminating completely the air freight, right? We're we're shipping locally, but there are other things like um, I would like to talk, for example, about our carbon sequestration efforts. So we re-inject about 120 tons of carbon into the lower aquifer levels every day. So we're not only collapsing the carbon footprint by not flying the fish, we're also sequestering uh, carbon as as part of our technology and 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 really reinjecting that uh, back so that that's great we're also partnering with FPL they they are the the energy company here in Florida to start developing more uh, when it comes to solar energy for example developing initiatives together we are planning to use our sludge to create bi- biogas a sludge is kind of the the byproduct is waste really that comes from all the filters in the recycling of the water from, from the systems. So um, all of that uh, can be used to create biogas. So another energy form. And if you think about circular economy, you know, we're basically aiming for zero waste. Uh, And that's one way we're also using all of our byproducts, such as the heads, the bones, um, for example, from, from the salmon that that's not, doesn't really go into the supermarket or, or food service right Not, none of that is used there but it can be used for omega 3 supplements for example you know for human consumption it could be used for fertilizer compost it's it's already used in pet food so all of those we are, we are selling at the moment to pet food companies which is great great i'm sorry for for uh, for dogs for example it's very very healthy same principles as with humans so um, a, a lot of the initiatives and developments that, that we're doing and it's in the near future for us revolve around uh, ESG goals and then making sure that we're really sustainable and we don't stop there with our production. We actually utilize everything that we can um, to, to make uh, our, our production a, a circular process, you know, as, as best as we can.
0: And there's plenty of stuff for our audience to keep up with here since you have so many expansion plans and so many different things coming. If they want to learn a little bit more about you, where can they go, Max?
1: Uh, The best place would be our website, bluehousesalmon.com. There you're going to be able to find uh, our mission, read about our technology, see the Blue House, understand a little bit more about all of our efforts and, and really see what type of products we have. And there's a store locator as well you know, if there's any interest in trying our product.
0: Excellent. And we'll definitely share a link to the website in the description of this episode. I highly recommend it, taking a look at the facility. It's very impressive. Max, I really want to thank you for your time today. It was an awesome conversation. And I'm hoping that you guys do really well in the years to come. So thank you again.
1: Thank you so much. It's been really a pleasure.
0: And that's going to do it for us this week on the Food Institute podcast. Thanks again for listening. And if you could, please remember to like, subscribe, and share. We'll catch you next time. This is Chris Campbell, signing off.